All right, before we get today's show going, I got to talk to you a little bit about theharrier.com. You've heard us talk about the Harrier before. It's a lifestyle clothing brand for runners. Their stuff is awesome. And guess what? We have a collab sweatshirt with them. It's the taper season, championship season, bender season sweatshirt. They're almost gone. Don't miss your opportunity to get one. So go to the-harrier.com. Pick up a P2E collab sweatshirt and use promo code P2E to get a discount. This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I'm joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, how could I not be good? It's the greatest time of the year. It's the holiday season. You got to be holly jolly. You got to put on your uh, InSync uh, Christmas album right now and, and feel the times. Get with it. Enjoy it. We're, we're rolling into the Christmas season, to the holiday season. The, the year's coming to an end here. I mean, come on. If you're not feeling jolly right now, what are you doing? I'm not feeling very jolly right now. I had, an, <laughs> I had a badass year in review. Thank you video to the whole two crew. But Instagram te- keeps taking it down. So Steve, I'm really. Let's, go. let's get the energy. I know. I know. I, I worked so goddamn hard on that. I tried to post it tonight. Instagram keeps taking it down. So if you're one of like the 20 people that saw it before Instagram take take. How awesome was it? You know, just just leave us a comment saying how awesome that video was for the for the five minute was that it was up. And as always, at the house of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm gonna bring this energy right back up to where Mikey Let's was go. at. It's just it's just a little in sync here. It's a little Taylor Swift Christmas album there. Maybe a little Michael Bublé, just like mixed in once or twice, or a Bruce Springsteen, you know, Christmas song. And then we're right back to the in sync and the Taylor Swift Christmas. I got my my glass of eggnog right here with just a little oh, bit wow. of like a splash of rum, maybe maybe four splashes of rum. That's it's a little bit of a maybe a fifty fifty split. But um, yeah, man, it's it's. If you're not feeling, you know, good, and this is what we're going to do with Steve right now, you just force it. You just force it with whatever, like the InSync and the eggnog and the rum, and all of a sudden, the world is jolly again, which is what we're going to have tonight. I mean, we've been pirating songs all year for our video, and then Instagram starts to to crack down on my masterpiece. (laughs) This is my masterpiece. Oh, man, I'm so angry. Steve doesn't know what he's talking about. We have not pirated songs. That's totally false. Anything that sounds like someone else's song, we recorded originally as the Peak Too Early band here. The Peak Too Early band. I'm I'm going to take a stab at it, Steve. I feel like I'm a better pirate than you are. So I'm I'm (laughs) going to dive deep into my pirating uh, skills here, and we're going to make this video work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how are we feeling after this weekend, boys? I feel like this was an action-packed weekend. We had a little uh, marathon project action. We had a little side action, a couple bucks flying, flying around. We'll dive into the specifics of, uh, of, the, of the race in a minute. But, you know, once again, once again, when it comes to gambling on the sport of running, mainly the marathon, I am the king. I cannot be beat in terms of picking my winners, just collecting money on, on betting on marathons. I mean, it's just, 
I'm just, I'm just dominant. Please, Vegas, start, start opening up these races in your sports books. Look who's all jolly now, Trent. Look at this. I was gonna say, and Steve, if you just bet on running, maybe you'd be a good gambler. It's the rest of it I that's mean, bringing you down. <laughs> tell me about it. Tell me about it. I mean, I would, I would give all the money I won this weekend back to the people who gave it to me just so I could post that video because so seriously, I spent so much goddamn time on it. But anyways, <laughs> when. When is this going to happen? Like, I don't mean to sidetrack this totally off the start here, but like I'm betting legally in a bunch of states now, you know, just going on like a DraftKings or a FanDuel or something like that. And they have literally everything. Like, like I, I know we've, we've talked about it for, for literally years now, but it just feels like we are on like the cusp of something, right? Once this legalizes everywhere, they're just doing every sport. It's got to happen soon. I think it's just, it just has to happen. Well, so, so it's going to happen. It's going to happen for the Olympics. I mean, I feel like they have it every four years for the Olympics. But if they can if they can make it happen, if they can pull it off in the Olympics, they should be able to pull it off in all major events. And, I mean, and this year is a legal legal like betting for most people on the Olympics. Hopefully that momentum will just carry over. Yeah, I mean I'm not saying from experience, but I know for a fact that you can bet on like Russian table tennis. You can bet on, you know, basically like high school Chinese soccer or you know all these crazy <laughs> things we should be able to bet on the marathon project you know what I mean Agreed. it's coming it's got to be coming but see with that said I mean so we kind of were hinting at it here but we had a little pool going with uh we had a group going we had a little fantasy draft to, to pick kind of similar to stuff that we've done for races in the past but it's amazing how much it changes because you know I'll, I'll watch a marathon or something like that but because we had action on it and i had my little my team going i had my picks and then we had some side action going it completely changed the way i watched this marathon entirely you know I've, I've watched hundreds of marathons in my day but this one i was way more invested in because the action we had on it and i was invested in some of the runners i i had my squad steve you know i had uh fobble to not finish in the top three but that, those are the kind of side bets that i love the most like we were like halfway through the race and we were making these side bets like oh like we'll do a specific like head-to-head matchup or we'll do this guy to not finish here or sarah hall to break the american record or not and it completely changes the way you watch it if everybody could watch it like that i feel like they'd enjoy the, the marathon a whole lot more i think we've teased it long enough mike let's kick off the running news So obviously, like we've talked about this weekend, we had the Marathon Project, highly anticipated marathon. This felt like the first like real legitimate marathon, at least in a very long time, maybe of the COVID, the COVID season. Um, and there was some incredible performances. Well, well, before we dive into like the specific performances, let's talk about like the nature of this event. So, sure. So, you know, um, I think it was Ben Rosario, the, the NAZ elite coach and Josh Cox agent of, you know, a lot of different, uh, marathoners, a lot of different distance runners, Desi's kind of like his biggest athlete. They got together, they made this event and this event is kind of what we've been talking about. And maybe it could be part of the future of, of distance running in the world where it's an elites only event 
designed to get some really, really fast times. So, you know, obviously you can't have big city, you can't have a big city marathon. Um, but what they got together is they, you know, tons of testing. Everybody had to, I guess they went over the top with like protecting the health of the athletes and everything. They brought all the top performers in the country and they extended to other, you know, anybody that wanted to come to this, you know, to this one spot and they raced the loops. They essentially just did it, turned, turned a marathon essentially into a track meet and tried to get as fast a time as possible. So I heard some people kind of, you know, have, have their, their complaints about this, right? Like back in my day, you know, we didn't set up a, a four mile loop or whatever and have it lap over, over and over again, you know, just with the perfect conditions and the pacers out there and all that stuff, right? It's not like a major marathon. Um, but just shut up, like separate this from your traditional, you know, typical race that's on your calendar, right? That you're going after without the pacers. That's not kind of engineered for these PRs and just enjoy it for what it was because what it was, was an elite field that ran freaking fast. Um, and just, just like a well put together event, especially in the times that we're in, you know, you just, it was, it was really just well executed and it was fun. And I don't want to hear like, you know, complaints about comparing this. Like, I don't even think we should be comparing this to like some of the majors or the races that we didn't have this year. Like, let's enjoy this for what it was. And it was awesome. I, yeah, well, you know, the, the people that are complaining about this, about the, you know, the new type of races that they're, they're doing are the same people that are complaining about the carbon plated shoes. And, and my message is always the same to those people. It's like, look around, like, look at your sport. Your sport needs to figure out a way to grow because it's, it's not right. Every other sport in the world is growing. It's evolving. Running is like stuck in the stone ages. So I think that there's always, there will always be a major place for big city marathons. That's where the big money is. That's where the, the big competition is always going to be. But, you know, you know, if, if, if records and chasing down these, these really fast times is, is going to, it's going to be continue to be a major part of the sport, then let let these events happen a couple times a year. Like I think it's great. And and with all these different ways and avenues to watch a sport, you know, through the internet, um, you know, it's 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 more accessible than ever to get the maximum amount of eyeballs on the sport. For sure. Um, so I definitely had some criticisms of the coverage, but overall, I think they did a, a pretty damn good job covering it. I think the way it's. Um, set up here is perfect for television viewing and that's another part of like the elite only type atmosphere the small race is it sets up much better for coverage right you watch the boston marathon and it's just such a gigantic field right and there's all it's chaos there's all kinds of stuff going on so sometimes it's hard to focus on just the race and there's just so much more to it this with the smaller field uh the coverage to me felt a little bit more intimate and you could kind of get into it uh, I thought the commentating for the most part was pretty good. I thought Desi did a good job. I feel like at first, like the first half of the race, she was kind of a little gun shy towards the end. She started letting it fly a little bit. So it was good to see that. Um, I I think towards the second half, she started kind of talking about her experience and oh, what she would do here or like how she felt at this part. And that's the stuff that we needed to hear. I felt like in the beginning I was, I was begging for that and she finally got it. Um, like I said, I definitely have a couple criticisms, but I don't know. Do you guys, you guys have any comments on the uh, the coverage there? Well, it's like it's like when the college football you know championship is on, 
and you have the three different channels, right? And the one is a normal coverage. Then you have the actual like in-depth analysis on some sure. of from the local announcers, you know, comparing this to like a Boston marathon where half the time is a human interest stories that I don't want to hear about. Like, this is what I, 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 you know, this is what I want. This is what I want as a running fan. For sure. and, and there should be, you know, out of the four channels that cover like the major marathons every year, uh, one of them should, should do like a dedication like this. Cause um, you have someone like Des that's given us some true insight and you're not messing around with any of the, the BS. Now, right. Mike, you might go into things that could have been done better there, but it is just refreshing to have, you know, hours of marathon coverage. That's real marathon coverage. Well, I think about like the, um, you know, on like the Monday night football and stuff like that, Chris Collinsworth, they always like do like the pregame, like interviews with the coach or player or something like that. And Chris Collinsworth is always like, you know, I, I talked to uh, Juju Smith-Schuster leading up to this game and he told me, you know, some like tidbit Come of information. Come on, you can do a better like impersonation of Chris Collinsworth. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to try and go in on my Chris Collinsworth impersonation here. But you know, Al. Is, <laughs> the, uh Des had like legitimate information from like people she had talked to or, you know, the runners in the race that she knows that she could draw back to personal stories or comments that they had made, which is huge, right? Like there's a reason that ESPN and Monday Night Football and Chris Collinsworth does those things is because it makes it more relatable to the listener. So I thought they did a good job with that. Yeah, I think there needs to be a little bit more of that. Like they should yeah. be prepared to have stories ready to go for every single person that's going to be for in the sure. lead back. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I felt like they were forcing a lot of that. Like Des has some good insight, but I, I forget the name the, the name of the guy that was doing the um, the broadcast with her. But it's he he's the voice, right? He's he's not like necessarily a a great mind of the sport. He doesn't know these athletes. I would so much rather have a second person alongside Des that has insight into these athletes and the, and the stories. So as we're sitting there watching two hours of them running, they can kind of point out the person like, Oh, you see this person kind of coming to the front a little bit. Let me tell you about them, their backstory. You know um, you know, it, it wasn't until it wasn't until like mile 24 where we started getting some um, Marty Heher, you know, uh, backstory, right? He kind of popped to the front a couple times. And I feel like for the most part, they weren't ready to talk about him. And, and they, you know, somewhere around mile 23, they scrambled to get the, the stories to the announcers about, about Marty. Um, so there needs to be a little bit more. They need to be a little more educated on the athletes. Cause you're right, Mike, I did really like when Desi went into her personal experiences. I just wish that they had, they did that more often. For sure, Steve, to your point, they would kick it down to sideline reporter Bernard Lagat. And don't get me wrong, I love Lagat, right? Like, he's the best. He's an American legend. And just from all accounts, seems like the greatest guy in the world. Is he the best marathon sideline reporter I've ever seen? No, he's so boring <laughs> and gives you absolutely nothing. So I get what they're trying to do there to, you know, work Lagat in. It was in Arizona, right? I think that's where he's he's coaching now and so I think he's just conveniently in the area but I he's 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 not adding anything to the broadcast for me so I we there was a little prop bet in my brain that said how long does this race go before they talk about how Desi likes whiskey and Mm -hmm. I think it was like five minutes into the friggin race and listen I am so unbelievably sick of, of, I mean, like, listen, I, I, I love Desi and I think it's great that she likes to have a cocktail out every, every now and then, but it is the laziest move by everybody in the media. It's always like the first thing they talk about. Right. And I think Desi like 
plays it up because it's like her brand now or whatever and she knows it's good for her but she must roll her eyes every single time being like again with the fucking whiskey like do you guys have anything else you can talk about in my life other than goddamn whiskey we we play it up like she just gives like you know house like every night she just like puts back a handle of whiskey right oh my goodness it's like geez okay we get it she has a cocktail every now and then i mean i i don't know so my, my other complaints were uh, the ticker on the side worked for like the first like five miles and it was great. It, you know, showed where the top like 20 men were, where the top 20 women were, it like shifted It showed what pace they're on, what their time was and all that. It lasted for five miles. And it was great. And then it just like disappeared. It was that technical. So frustrating. So that so one frustrating away. because because it was work it was pretty cool right and but it was like in the first five k it's like okay I don't need to know that thirty five runners are point oh two seconds off the lead right. right like I don't need to know that and like as the race went on I think it worked up until about the half marathon and then right around the half marathon it all crapped the bed um, and we other than like the first like the the lead pack we knew nothing of where everybody was in the race right and so, i mean we'll obviously get into like how the race broke down but for the men's side right like the the main pack stayed together for i think it was like 22 miles or something like that so you at least had a good idea of like who was in the top 10 or so so for the men it wasn't the biggest deal but for the woman it sucked because you just had no idea where anybody was because obviously sarah was way out in front of everybody. You kind of had like the chase back there. You had Kellen uh, Taylor and you had uh, Bruce and Diamato. But like, so you had, you knew a little bit about what was going on, but after like the top, like four or five girls, you had no freaking clue where anybody was in the race, which made it really hard to to follow if you're trying to follow. And you had some no names, like, or not, I wouldn't say no names, but some really, young athletes athletes that this was their Debuts first ever marathon like that, yeah, like that did stories. really well and you knew none of that during the race so yeah so the the, the woman the woman's race is really hard to follow because you, you had no i mean even for a while like the website like the live tracking on the website that wasn't working either um so that was rough and then the biggest complaint was well do you want to dive in do we want to dive into some results before we get into the biggest complaint Sure. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah. I, we'll, we'll come back to that. Um, Steve, you want to start with the men's side or the women's side? Let's talk a little men's. Let's talk a Let's little talk men's, the men's side. So like we said, this pack was together for, you know, 22 ish miles. And then Martin Heher, friend of the program made a crazy move, pushed the pack. Everybody in our little group text was kind of being like, Oh, that's too early. It's not gonna. Nope. Marty just takes it the whole way, breaks open this group of elite American marathoners, takes the whole thing. He's followed by another friend of the program, Noah Drotti, who had a huge PR, huge day, and almost tracked down Marty at the end there. And then he was followed uh, by Colin Benny, who's Marty's teammate. So, wild finish. An unbelievable race by Marty. I mean, I can't say enough good things about Marty here. Incredible. It was so much fun to watch. And it was one of those things where the entire race, and, and you didn't know, you didn't know where like Marty was fitness wise, because like everybody knows, he's he's a he's in he's in med school. He's got two little kids. He's just such a blue-collar warrior when it comes to training with the early morning runs, late nights on the treadmill. He just finds a way to get these runs in. I don't know how the hell he does it, but he just finds a way to do it. 
and he looked smooth, he looked comfortable, and every once in a while, like, he would kind of pop to the front of the pack, and then he'd kind of go back, and he knew that he was had to bide his time a little bit. It wasn't time to go. But right around, right around, I think it was like four miles to go, he's just like, I'm done with this. And he made a move, and it was exciting to watch because he was, he was on the pain train, but he was grinding out. You could see it in his face that he was given – he was pouring everything he had into this race, and it hurt like hell, but he was grinding out, man. Like, it was just crazy to watch. And then to see Noah, you know, kind of he, – he had a great race too, and he started fighting back a little bit in the last mile. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that has had some injury around the trials. He wasn't able to compete in the trials. And then, you know, he wanted to do the half marathon and he had the, the false positive COVID test. So he wasn't able to race that. So he's a guy that's like, that's itching to compete. And he get, finally gets his opportunity. He shows out, um, it just a ton of fun to watch. Yes. Even no, with the, uh, the pew curd around the world. Oh yeah. As soon as he crossed the finish line, poured his guts out <laughs> on the pavement, just a thing of you. I mean, if that's not how you're racing, then you're doing it wrong. If you don't puke the second you cross the finish line, then you did it wrong. That, that right there is the most satisfying puke you can ever have, right? You finish the line and I've seen a lot of people puke at the end of races, right? Normally there's a, a couple like 30 seconds. They're walking around, they find a trash can or something. It was like coming out as he crossed the finish line. It was perfect. Shout out to Noah for, for racing that hard where that came out, you know, unbelievable. Um, my, my thoughts on Marty, I don't have any thoughts. I don't understand it. I don't understand how he balances this sort of training with what he's doing. So I'm not going to try and offer any kind of take on it other than it blows my head off. And then the third place guy is uh, a Colin Benny. So Reebok Boston, big day here uh colin massachusetts kid right uh why, why have we not been on that so we're gonna need to get be colin to be a friend of the program there but uh just just a fun yeah fun top three there fun race uh fun to see some friends of the program just perform so well i i got a kick out of the uh, and i think no made a joke on like his social media but i remember after the trials when marty uh remember he stopped for the porta potty to you know take a crap mid-race he kind of like that became like the storyline for him noah was basically like well i guess i'm like the puke guy now like you know i'm sure on every interview he has for the next like five years he'll be he'll be asked about his uh his puke but Trent, you kind of hit on it the reebok boss in there and i talked about this a little bit on our live stream but for, so for me i guess kind of the naz elite team recently has kind of been like the u.s like that like that's a like a huge marathon team in osaka and he's got a good team reebok boston is making a huge splash in the marathon world right now. this was their breakout day though this was their breakout so i and i agree with you i think a lot of people would say maybe it would be the trials because yeah you're calling benny ran his ass off marty finished six so it was like to me that was almost like oh well was that kind of a fluke right well, I think today, that day proved it's not a fluke. Like, these guys are really, really good. And Marty, I'm sorry, man. It's time for you to drop out of med school. Like, he just ran the seventh fastest marathon in American history. Like, dude, this guy is so freaking legit. He's, and like I said, it, it's not a fluke. He's done it two races in a row now. Whoa. He's And so, I, obviously, I'm not saying drop out of med school. That no, was no, joke. no, but I, I like, want to talk about this for a second. This team is legit. I want to talk about this for a second because, you know, we, we, we saw um, uh, Morgan Pearson win the, win the half marathon in, in Michigan. And, you know, you get Marty, who's a med student, coming into this marathon. Is there something to be said 
doing this sport, you know, the marathon, and it's kind of like, it's not your only thing, right? It, it, it maybe takes a little pressure off on the starting line. It maybe you know, makes you like a more, in some ways, a more well-rounded athlete. You're not grinding yourself into the ground, chasing these times. When it comes to the marathon, maybe that there's, maybe there's something to be said from like easing off the intensity a little bit and placing, you know, your, the intensity in life in other places. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I get what you're saying. I don't know what it is. Like, yeah, that that could be it. Who knows what the the secret sauce is here? All I know is, and I'm not I'm not purposely trying to throw shade here, but guys like you know Fobble and Jared Ward have been kind of dubbed like you know outside of Rep, right? Like Rep's on a completely different level. But as far as the marathon goes, America's guys are like Ward and Rep. Like when you think of the marathon, like those are the the, the kind of the first elite names that come, and they keep consistently getting beat by guys like you know, like Marty by Jake Riley, like these guys who, I don't know. I, I, I'm ready. I don't know what it is. These guys can't seem to, to get it done right now on the big stage. And I know Ward has, you know, year, a couple of years ago, but I, is there time over? Like has the window closed for those guys? And we just, we got this new crop of guys who are doing it a little bit differently, Steve, who, who kind of maybe have a different attitude, different mentality to, to what they're doing. And, just making it happen. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. To, to your point, Steve, I think there could be something about just like staying sane with going with having like other stuff going on. Um, being a med school student and uh, having two kids is like way too much <laughs> stuff to like balance it out. So maybe there's a happy medium here that we could find there. And then to your point, Mike, yeah, I had the same kind of note here, you know, wanting more from Fobble and Ward there. Um, you know, Fobble kind of like a, a NAZ guy, right? That's his kind of home territory. I mean, there. hold on. It, it's hard to, it's hard to knock Fobble though. He, he ran 209, which is close to his PR. He got top five. Like I think Fobble did what Fobble was supposed to do. Ward, definitely not. But I think it's hard to like get, get on Fobble for his, his run. It, this I hear what you're saying, Steve, because he did run super fast. He ran 209, but like Ward, like we said, has, like he's made that, like he's made splashes. He's done his thing. Fobble keeps being talked about as like, like if you came into this race and you had to pick a favorite, right? Like if Vegas is making a, a favorite, I think Fobble probably is that guy. Maybe Absolutely. Ward, but Fobble's probably that guy. How many times can we keep making Fobble the favorite and not having him come through, right? He's, he's, he, I don't know if he's ever gotten it done. He's got, he had he, he had his big Boston Marathon where he was the top American, and I feel like he's kind of like I, I don't know. I, again, I'm, it sounds like I'm trying to throw shade. I'm not. I just if he's gonna keep coming into these races as the favorite, at some point you can't keep coming in as the favorite and losing. I mean, that's just like can't. saying that's like saying like losing in the AFC Championship was like a wasted season, right? Like I mean, he finished he finished fourth, right? So I mean, like he comes in. He this is was the AFC championship. Field. No, but I think it's a very legitimate argument, right? Where if if you if you lose in the AFC championship, the NFC championship, you're essentially the fourth team in the league that year. That's what happened to Fobble this weekend. So like he he was he was he was less than a minute off his PR. He 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 ran a great race. He was just off the podium. He finished fourth. Like I think I think you have to give Fobble credit for for doing pretty close to for pretty much doing what he was supposed to do there just happened to be better athletes out there on that day and that's the thing about the marathon it's like it's so hard to like 
be like, I'm going to run this time on this day. There's so many factors out of your control that sometimes, you know, if you compete at a super high level, there, there might be somebody that just happens to click on that day. There and, was three people who came to click on them, and it's not the AFC Championship, Steve. This is this was the – if you want to compare anything to the AFC Championship, it was the Olympic trials, right? Like that's that's the, the semifinals to get into the big dance, and he, he bombed there too. So, I mean – this isn't know. a bomb is what I'm saying. He didn't bomb. Sure, it's, it's not a bomb, but he was the favorite. And he's, he's in my mind, he's never come into the race as a favorite and, and taken it. So when there's this many competitors, it's like golf, right? Or, or um, yeah, that's the best sport I can compare it to. And there's this many competitors coming in fourth is like a, a good performance out of the guy who's a favorite, right? There's just so many competitors out there. But I do agree with you, Mike. It's like I'm ready for him to just like – you know, come back, uh, bounce back after the trials and show that he is kind of going to hopefully be, you know, that next face in American business running um, to the, just, just like I'm a general broader point here about, you know, who was out there. Um, you know, we compared him like the fourth at you know, AC championship or something like that. But what was kind of like really fun about this event is you didn't have any of the Olympic qualifiers on the men's or the women's sure. side. And you got to see this, like, this next batch that came up, you know, just short at the trials, guys like Fobble, right? Guys, you know, Jar didn't get his shot. Um, Marty, I think, was top 10 at the trials. But you got to see all those guys come out and compete, and it just showed, like, how many big names and how exciting the sport of marathoning is right now um, with everybody out there. So I, I like that aspect of it where you take away these top three and you still the super exciting. Now taking away the top three leaves the door open for when you expect a Fobble in the ward to come in um, and, and take it, and they didn't. But – it was, I don't know, I, I like that element of it. I like that aspect where uh, there's just a lot of names out there, and it was without the people that are going to the Olympics next year. Steve, let, let me, to Trent's point there, let me, let me make a compromise with you. Follow did not bomb. It was not a bad race for him. He, here's all I want. Here's all I want. Is next time that there is a marathon with a similar type field, and if, you know, Fobble is in the conversation with, to be the favorite in the race, if Marty Heher is in that same race, he is the favorite, not Fobble, not Jared Ward. He has cemented himself now. He is the favorite. If Noah Drotty's in that field, he he should be in the conversation of of being the favorite. That's all I'm asking. You're only right? as good as your last race. Sure, that's all I'm asking because I feel like Marty's has, has taken him down twice now, and I don't want to keep putting somebody as the favorite in a race if they shouldn't be. And right now, if we yeah. ran this ran this field back in in a month from now. Marty Heher should be the favorite. Marty Heher is the is the best American marathoner right now. Marty Heher yeah. should drop out of med school. I'll say that, Mike. You didn't <laughs> yeah. want to say it. I'll say. Well, it. <laughs> hey, before we move on to the women's, let, let let's let's quickly break down the results. Just kind of give some you know give some props to some people. So we got Marty with two hundred eight fifty nine, just getting under two hundred nine, which is awesome. Noah Drotti shortly behind him. Colin Benny, like we mentioned, we got to get him on the program. He's got to be a friend of the program. Local guy, Reebok Boston absolutely crushing it top 10 at the trial so Colin Benny got to get him on Scott Fobble um kind of friend of the program we had him on but I don't know if he's necessarily our friend he didn't like us very well much. he if he if he was our friend he's not anymore after that yeah yeah <laughs> uh huge PR for Ian Butler in in fifth place um Scott Smith PR for Scott Smith you got to give credit to Scott Smith you know he was a guy that people thought he might have been a little injured a little underprepared for this race coming in Big PR, top 10 finish. Give credit to Scott Smith for this race today. Um, Mick Iacofano, I actually don't know who this is. Let me look him up real quick. I believe 
this was a PR for him as well. Yep, now, big, now we're back on brand here and not knowing last yep, names. Right. I love it. Big, <laughs> big PR for Mick. Benjamin Preisner, 210. Uh, Nathan Martin, 211. CJ Alberson, 211. He's another guy. I believe he was in the top 10 at the at the trials as well. He's, I think, a rising star in the sport. He seems like he's a little crazy. He tried to hang on to that league pack for a long time. I think he start, he started to fall back around like mile 15. But he's a guy, he has like a 209 marathon on a treadmill. So he's a guy to, to kind of watch out for. So other than that, like any other notable finishes, uh, Cam Levins kind of fell off in the last 5K, 10K. He was hanging up front for a long time. He's kind of a... Um, big name in the sport, getting a little bit older, but I think he did he did pretty well with a with a fifteenth place and a two twelve marathon. Steve, uh, you talk about like rising stars in in the sport of marathoning. Rory Linklater, uh, fellow Canadian, there with uh, Levens dropping a two twelve. I think his PR before that was like two sixteen, but he yep. he's like he's fresh out of college, right? Like he he jumped yeah, right from college years. right to the to, to the marathon pretty much, and. Yeah. Uh, Seems like every time he races, he's getting a little bit better. He's training with the NAZ guys, so I wouldn't be surprised if in the next year or two he, you know, he pops a huge one. Yep. Shaddy B. Watt fell off, fell off early in the race, Shad- wasn't it? Shaddy's having thing. a Shaddy's having a tough a tough go of it right now. Ever since his third place at Boston, Boston, it's been a uh, it's been it's been rough sailings for Shaddy. And then Jared Ward, we talked about it, but not his day. Fashion thirty fifth, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's pretty much, I think it's pretty much everybody for the guys. Yeah. Let's move on to the women's side. So on to the women's side and I mean, we could start and end and go on for about 20, 30, 40 minutes about Sarah Hall, who has put herself completely on a different level than anybody else in the, the American marathon scene right now for the woman. Um, and she just ran the second fastest marathon from any American woman ever. And what, what I love about her is she went into this calling her shot, basically saying, listen, I'm about to run an American record. Now she was just shy of it. She didn't get it, but she still ran a badass race. Um, obviously had her pacers, but for the most part, did it by herself, put herself out super early, you know, took the lead, commanded it and just dominated the thing from start to finish. Uh, she had some company with Kellen Taylor for a, a large portion of the race, but, uh, she finally, she finally broke. And at that point it was, you know, just her, obviously there's some storylines behind her, but I think obviously we need to start with Sarah. Got to give credit. I mean, she she fell short of the American record, but not by much. You know, I mean, she was she was pretty much on pace for most of this race. Um, you know, kind of fell apart a little bit in the last five k, but she went for it and she ran hard. She ran tough, and she was right there. She was right there. Maybe on a different day, she has this 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 record. Um, so big, big time props to to haul it was uh it was it was a lot of fun to to watch her go for it. i mean because uh, what i think a lot of people were predicting was like she's either gonna get it or she's gonna dnf like she's gonna go out at a suicide pace mm-hmm. and she's either gonna be able to hold it or she's not gonna be able to finish 
somewhere in the middle, right? She went out at that suicide pace. She went out at that pace to get the record. And she managed, in, while she, she didn't get it, she managed to hold on for an incredible time and a, an incredible marathon. I mean, she, in, in the course of like just a couple months, she has, she has catapulted herself into one of the all-time great American marathoners. Um, for a long time, it was like, it looked like she was going to be a good, like a, a, you know, a very good pro that had some strong marathons, um, but wasn't necessarily going to be remembered as one of the greats in the, in the sport within since London. And now this race, she, she is one of the greatest American marathoners of all time. Um, and that's, that's coming late, like late in her career to make that happen. So big time props are so back after the trials when the whole world came to a stop and the Olympics gets canceled, we briefly discussed on the show, like, what do you do, you know, with the Olympic trials finishers, right? Are they definitely going to, to Tokyo, you know, whenever Tokyo happens and we all agreed, you got to send them, right? That's the best way to do it. But as we see <laughs> Sarah Hall just dominate and I, I still not changing my take here. The women that ran top three in Atlanta deserve to go. But as you see Sarah Hall, it, you know, part of you is just like, man, I, I'd love to see her out in Tokyo, right? I'd love to see her compete against the world's best next year. Cause she is running, as you kind of just said there, Steve, like one of the best American marathoners of all time. Uh, and you know, where she isn't at her career, this is the time where she should be at the Olympics, right? We don't know where she'll be at in four years. Um, so I just, you know, it's a little bit of a shame that we're not going to be able to see her, uh, you know, on Tokyo uh, next year, just because of, um, you know, where she was at with her training going in um, and, and how Atlanta went just because she has just completely dominated and completely, to be honest, just exceeded my expectations for how, you know, the following year would go for her, you know, following Atlanta. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of mentioned him earlier, but like when Rupp is running on the American circuit, right, with, with, with just Americans, you know, it's Rupp and then it's the rest of the field. It's he commands the race. He does whatever he wants. He makes his moves when he wants. And it's a race for, for second place for the most part on that scene. That's how it felt with, with Sarah Hall. I mean, when she went out there right from the beginning, it felt like it was her race immediately. So it's crazy. I mean, like if you, if you ran the trials next weekend, she has to be the favorite. She absolutely has to be the, the favorite. And I would just love to see it. I would love to, to watch that race right now because I wonder if she just seems so confident if that's how it would feel, right? If it would be a rough like performance or it's like it's Sarah's race and then everyone is, else is, is fighting for the second and, and third spot. You know what I mean? Because I don't know. Maybe Molly Seidel is in crazy shape too and, you know, is, is ready, to, ready to rumble and ready to go. And it's not like that. Maybe it was just the field she was in there. But that, it's certainly how it felt watching this race was like, who, who's going to beat Sarah right now? Who? Yeah. You know what Sarah should do is she should either um, start participating in triathlons or enroll in med school. <laughs> yeah, maybe that'll <laughs> elevate her to the next level for sure. I don't think she needs uh, the med school. I think I think she's doing she's doing yeah. just fine out there. <laughs> well, and, and you mentioned kind of Kellen Taylor with kind of a uh, a a very very strong second place finish, and you got to give Kellen Taylor third, third place finish. She 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 did oh, get she she got got, but she, got, she was in second. That's right. For that's like right. That's right. Ninety five percent of the race. 
and and she probably would have got second if she ran a little sure. bit more conservative. But she said, you know, screw it. We're going out with Sarah Hall. Like, I'm going to put it all, put my cards on the table and see what I got today. And like I said, she, she you know, would have run a little bit more conservative, probably would have run a better time, maybe have gotten that second place. Um, but you got to give her props for, for going after it and trying. And then when it fell apart, managing to hold on to a podium spot is also very impressive by herself. So when she fell off, I think at mile like, 1920 she pretty much ran that entire last k completely by herself um so very very impressive yeah steve i think she wasn't as outright as sarah was about like going after the record but she had kind of hinted at the fact that she was going to go with sarah and that she was also gonna try and take a bid at the the record um and i think that's what she did right like i think she went all out she went out at that pace she went out at record pace and like you said you you have to admire just like the um you know there's the famous like uh prefontaine i don't i don't remember the exact quote but basically in the movie when he's talking about how if prefontaine had run a certain way in the olympics like he could have easily gotten silver, right? But he didn't. He he went for he ran for gold, and because of that, he fell out of medal contention. That's kind of obviously this wasn't the Olympics. Run is sucking off me. Yeah, exactly. This wasn't the Olympics, but if Callan Taylor wanted to run for second, I think she could have gotten second. But she not was just going for the win. She was going for a record. So you got to respect a an effort like that. But we got to give flowers to Kira Diamato, who's got the hot hand right now. She's the hot hand. She's got the hot name in the sport. She she won the she had an incredible uh, half marathon win a couple months ago. Um, but coming out here, just kind of she kind of you know did the reverse of Kellen Taylor and Sarah Hall, where she played it a little bit more conservative. She ended up getting on the podium with the second place finish, but an incredible finish for her. And she's somebody that has an incredible story too. Kind of coming, she's a, a little bit. She's definitely on like the back end of her career, kind of fighting to kind of come back and, and and get all these impressive finishes but she's looking like potentially the favorite to get that 10k spot heading to tokyo she's she's on like the front end of the back end right because yeah, she had yeah. like a big break there and then she was uh, i don't know i remember looking up because she won the michigan pro half a couple months ago and kind of was a, a breakout win for her. um but yeah she was like a realtor you know has kids as well um, another one where it's like, how the hell do you fit this into your day? Uh, but yeah, super impressive what she's doing, um, you know, where she's at. It's, uh, yeah, it'll be fun to see if she can get on the track and see the top three and head to Tokyo as well. Yeah. So let's kind of look at the, the results here real quick. So we got, so we got those three women and then we got Emma Bates who ran, uh, she's right behind Kellen Taylor. Uh, she was in that lead pack or she was in the chase pack with Kira Diamato for a long time. Um, very impressive finish for her. Then we got Natasha uh, Wadak with a 2.26. I believe that's like a 10-minute PR for her. So that's a huge uh, finish for her. Uh, Andrea Ramirez-Limon, 2.26. I believe that's a huge PR for her as well. Paige Stoner, 2.28, debut in the marathon winning me some money so uh big big finish for Paige stoner um i believe she was the steeplechaser out of syracuse so a fellow uh you know uh orange men orange woman with uh marty heher uh, coming with a big debut big day in the for marathon. The yeah yeah um we got garcia with a 229 i think that's 
pretty close to her PR. I got to double check that. And then Sarah Inglis in ninth place with a 229. This was also, this was also her debut in the marathon. Bria uh, Westich, uh, 229. I think that's also like a nine, 10 minute PR for her as well. Um, so some huge times out here for the women. I mean, they, <laughs> I mean, everybody really, really benefited from this, from this fast course. I mean, this was just a ton of fun to watch. I want to see more of it. Did Stephanie Bruce cost me money by DNFing? Yeah. Yeah, she did, but that's all right. We don't have to talk about that. <laughs> I mean, so I, I made a comment because uh, Stephanie Bruce's husband was oh, pacing, God, yeah. <laughs> was pacing the chase group. Right. And um, when when uh, Stephanie Bruce fell off and he kept pacing for Kira Diamato, I made a comment. I said, at some point in the future, at some point in the future, there's going to be a fight over something completely different. And Stephanie Bruce is going to bring up the fact that he left her <laughs> to pace Kira Diamato in the marathon project. And he paced her for like the next like, he paced her into like mile twenty-five. Yeah. <laughs> well, his <laughs> wife is that. DNFing and just probably, you know, pissed at him the entire way. <laughs> uh, we're just kidding. We're joking. We're joking. So uh, a lot of fun. I want to see more of this. It fits so perfectly on a Sunday morning. Right. Be- we went right from right from the marathon project into NFL football. This was awesome. I mean, you found a. You f- I mean, this is this is the way that marathons should do it instead of putting it like at night on the weekday, do it on a Sunday morning before Sunday football. Give, let this be your pregame to football. This was, I loved it. This was great. I disagree, Steve. They should find out whatever time the Patriots are playing on Sunday and schedule a major marathon for that time. They're playing Sunday at one o'clock. They're playing Thursday night football. Let's schedule a major, major marathon at that time. So I can have something to watch. We, we did, we did forget to, complaint uh, to bring up our biggest complaint from from the coverage we did we did take it away um, mike take it away because this one's a big one so it happened on both the men's and women's side but the men's one i think it was the first one that caught your attention because it obviously happened first and so we saw the finish line the finish line cam comes through marty comes through breaks the tape we got just enough time for Noah to come through and puke all over the place. And then at that moment, boom, the finish line cam is gone. And it wasn't like we had like four or five minutes until the next finisher. We had like 30 seconds until the, the next third finisher. third and fourth runner were right behind. <laughs> and, I mean, obviously we had some action going on and it was important to us, but – you want to see, you watch this whole marathon and you want to see where these people finish. And we just saw the one and two come across. Then there's no live results. There's no ticker. So we have no idea what is going on at the men's, the finish of the men's race. And they just cut away from it. There's no announcement. We have seven, in this race, we have seven runners under 210 yes. in the marathon. And they cut away. They cut away to watch the women at mile like 22, 23, instead of watching the finish of this race and watch all these guys with incredible times cross the finish line. In fact, like they're sitting there, like they're zooming in on, on, on like Noah, like, you know, hugging, you know, uh, you know, greeting people, Marty greeting people while, while the third and fourth place 
finishers are coming across the finish line. And then they cut to the women and they just completely miss all the finishers. It's like, what the hell are we doing? Put the damn camera on the finish line so we can at the very least see the top 10 come across the finish line. And then on the women's side, they only watch the top two come across the finish line. And then they're zoomed in on the top two, you know, watching them celebrate. And they're not watching any of the women cross the finish line. It's like, what the hell is going on? Like, we watched, we just watched two hours of this race to, yeah, see the winner. But we want to see, at the very least, the top ten come across the finish line. Steve, it's almost worse on the women's side because there's no other race yes. going on. It's yes, like the, the men's side. I can see the argument at least, like, oh, there's a race unfolding on the women's side. we got to cut to the women's side. But at the women's like. What the hell are we doing? The race there's is not, over. Go on yeah. the fi- put the camera on the finish line. And there's no excuse on the men's side not to have a split screen, right? Like we want to see the women's race. We want to see the 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 finish line reaction. I want to see Marty, you know, hugging his fan, all that. But just put up a split screen. Like why? Yeah. There's plenty of times throughout the race that they had a split screen. That they had the you know we'll go into our little red zone lingo. They had the 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 try whatever. They had a quad box whatever. They they can do that stuff. There's no reason that we can't have a split but, screen of the women's race, nothing. the finish line. We can have one of people hugging. Like we can have all of that going on at the same time. But you're getting greedy, Mike, asking for that split screen at the finish line. But they were, greedy. Doing the just, whole, just, they were doing it the do whole. They were doing it Like we didn't need a camera on the women's race sure. at that point. Just show sure. the damn finish line. Show the runners cross the finish line. Is that so hard to ask? We just sat through two hours of this. Show the damn finish line. If you ain't first, you're last, guys. All right. No. After the first two, who cares, right? right. First, you're last. Well, it was uh, infuriating because, like I said, me and Steve had that like. Uh, Fobble to finish in the top three yeah going yeah and Fobble was in fourth place but like it was him close and, him and colin and benny were pretty close like it mattered a lot to us who yeah. finished in third place and they just it just went away i was screaming at the television oh boy well um other than that it was a ton of fun we had a good time i i do have to figure out how to cancel my usatf tv subscription now because yeah, i have one of those and well. it's way more expensive than i thought it was going to be which is ridiculous it costs more than friggin' hbo thanks usatf um so i gotta cancel that but other than that we're gonna get into our interview with new friend of the program eric jenkins it's been too long it the, it's we ha- we should not have gone 93 episodes without having this guy on. He's a local guy from New Hampshire, went to Northeastern before transferring to, to Oregon. Um, he's a guy that just clicked with us. Like Mike Trent was on vacation. So it was just Mike and I, um, but it like, it took like two minutes before he's like, Oh, I like these guys. And he was just kind of shooting the shit, just having a good time with us. It was, it was great talking to him. Steve, I don't, I, I am embarrassed and saddened and angry that we didn't ask about his high school rap video. So we're going to have to have him come back, back on uh, an interview specifically just to talk uh, and break down. I think we should do like a full analysis breakdown of the rap video. That's, that's on me guys. I know I couldn't make the, the interview cause I was on vacation or at, you know, the doctor's office, but, uh, I should have like, cause that was like, he, Eric is like, I think he's same year as me or we're one year separate, but that was something that I've enjoyed in my life. The Eric, uh, rap videos for a long time. So I'm sorry for, for not giving you guys the, the heads up on that. <laughs> All right, let's get into our, our interview with Eric Jenkins. Let's talk. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. 
I'm yeah. bummed our uh, our third guy's not here. He's a Pelham guy. Pelham. Our other our other co-host, yeah. Wait, where is Pelham? It's like southern New Hampshire. Pretty much oh, okay. over the border from Mass, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's where all it's where everybody in Massachusetts goes to buy their booze so they don't get that's the, right. the, the sales. <laughs> oh that that's the spot. That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like ten minutes away from me, so that's where we go oh, to yeah. pick up our beer and stuff like I that. I mean it's it's worth it. You gotta make the trip across the border. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta. So so how how's that working? So, you know, I, I I thought I read something last year. You had a little bit of an injury and then you were planning on going back out west to kinda train with with uh with the pete julian team and everything did that did that did you end up doing that are you back from that now what happened yeah with that? yeah, yeah I've, I've been doing that um me and the other guys in the team were just kind of on different timelines different schedules a bit um you know they went to to europe in the summer and i was banged up at the time so i uh didn't go with them and and just kind of and trained th- kind of at a different point than they did so it didn't really we just haven't lined up yet but yeah i've been training with them and we're actually going to do a, a winter camp here coming up in a few weeks and nice. where are you going to do it uh, i don't really know yet um because everything's changing and with with the rates of corona going up it's we just don't really know yet if you can kind of do a safe camp that really makes sense at this point um so it, worst comes to worst we'll all be out in in uh portland oregon training so it's not too bad but it'd be nice to go somewhere warm yeah yeah so you uh just recently you know took down that uh 10k at the the track meet huge win for you how like how back do you feel right now are you are you all the I'm way back. back is it we're back let's do it okay <laughs> we're back. let's go we're up we're no i for the first time in a, in a while i do feel 100 percent, and so that it's it is nice to it's a different mindset. And yeah, I, I do think I'm, I'm hundred percent back. So I think for, I mean, obviously this year has been, it's been really bad for so many reasons. It's been really bad for, for the sport, but for you, was this kind of like a little bit of a blessing in disguise where you spent a good chunk of 2019 injured, injured, and then you had to do a quick turnaround and looked like you had to try to ramp up really quickly for the, for the trials. Was this kind of this year kind of a good thing to allow you to heal and, and do a proper training cycle? It's a, yeah, I mean, in, in a lot of ways it has. I, you know, I was having a pretty good 2019, you know, I was able to get that standard right before Corona happened in the 5K at BU. So things were going well, but it just wasn't, I just wasn't quite a hundred percent. I was having some, some nicks and knacks here that were, you know, kind of setting me back. And so I, I you know, I was calm. I was pretty confident that if the, you know, the trials and everything was to, to go forward, regardless, I'd make that team. But, you know, I am lucky in the sense that I was able to, with the timeline being pushed back, kind of regroup and, and go about it in a different way and, and heal up a hundred percent. Did you go into that race feeling like you had a chance to, to win it or was it kind of a pleasant surprise for you? Uh, this, the 10 K this last, yeah, the this 10K. last um, yeah, I thought I could win it. Um, I, things have been going well and I, you, you know, that once you're, you're racing with, with Chez and Tiernan, those guys, it, you know, you can have a great day and still walk away third or fourth or whatever it is, you know? I mean, yeah, the, if I, as long as I, my goal was, you know, if, 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 if you don't win, you got to hit the standard. You got, it better be a fa- very fast time for why I'm not going to win. So 
I, I was very confident going into that race. Yeah. So I, I think, I think you've gotten Chez now a couple times and in a, in a, I think there's a road race. You got him as well too. How many times do you have to beat that guy until you can, you can steal his King title, right? Cause if you just keep beating him, like at that point, you just, you just dethrone him though. Can we start calling you King? Look, you can start calling me King whenever. <laughs> I, I think, I mean, he's beaten me so many times. I got to I got to I got to rack up a steady amount of wins to start calling it an even rivalry. Sure. <laughs> Yeah. How's how's your how's your relationship with Cheserek? Do you guys still stay in touch in college and everything? Yeah, well, you know, we don't stay in touch too well, but I was just, you know, up in Flagstaff and um you know, got to work in with with him and, and that Stephen Haas group, which is I love work. It's he's he couldn't be a better workout partner. He's you know, we and we have a lot of experience with that. So it kind of we fall into old place um whenever i'm with him and and it's been a, a blast to to still maintain it and i think we're even probably closer now than than we were back at oregon probably in some ways so yeah it's been great i was i was kind of doing my research for this interview and kind of pulling up old videos and i pulled up the old uh, uh cross-country national championship where you guys went one two that's got to be a pretty cool feeling. I, and, and, you know, obviously you would love to, you would love to, to, to win the race, but where cross country is such a team mentality, you come across the line and the only people, only person in front of you has your singlet on. That's got to be such an awesome feeling. Yeah, it, it, it was, it was, and it was also something that, you know, coach Powell had talked about with us at the, you know, a few months before that at a preseason cross country camp, but so that was always on the radar. And, and I mean, Ed in cross country, you know, especially that his first year when he beat Kathuka, this, you know, he was, he was the guy you're not, I, it wasn't like I was lining up. Like, I think I got him today. I was, the goal was Ed's going to make a, you know, hard move from if it's slow, make a hard move from pretty far out. And there's going to be some guys that go with him, and you just need to kind of pick those guys off and, it was, it was a really fun race. It was, you know, looking back, it, we, it would have been a little bit better to place higher than ninth uh, as a guy's team, but um, I, have, I have fantastic memories from that race, yeah. Yeah. So kind of fast forwarding now to your, your current team. And I guess, so I guess like we doing this whole like uh, podcast thing and being like fans of the sport, we make a big deal of like the identity of a team. We want there to be, uh, we, we want the team atmosphere to be a bigger thing, right? We love yeah. having teams go head to head against each other, racing against each other. That's what we, it's all about. We want to see more of that. But right now you, your team is kind of in a weird place where it's like, you don't have an identity, right? So it's like, is, is it weird for you not having like that team name, like that team identity, or is that something that you guys even think about? Cause for all intents and purposes, you still got your same coach. You still got your same training partner so not that much has really changed for you but for us as like fans and spectators of sport it's like there's no identity there right like what are we gonna do how are we gonna root for these guys with no identity yeah I mean so I definitely understand that and I, I probably feel that a little bit I don't necessarily think about that day to day or it doesn't really change a lot of my mindset overall um we're still putting in this I'm still putting in the same work it's still and when we're together, it feels, it does feel like a team. And I think if you were around us, you'd be like, that feels like a team. We're very close, but 
I, I I know I know Craig and Donovan. I know they're pushing. They want they want team names. They want the singlet. They want yeah, it yeah. all. Um, and and I that would also that would be great. I mean, with kind of how the old group fell apart, it's it's kind of makes sense though to me, in the sense where you know we don't really know where the group's going, so don't rush into anything, I guess. But I, I mean, if we truly are a team and. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think there's there's some some pressure being put on people to see if we can come up with a name or something like that. But yeah. we'll see. And uh, your coach, right, Coach Julian? Yeah. I guess I I would love to get a chance to talk to him because he's such an interesting person to me, and he seems like he just knows his sport, and he, it seems like his his athletes love love running for him and would go to bat for him. And then we kind of talked about it in our last show, but uh, on Instagram he kind of made a comment at somebody saying like, uh, so it, what was it? It was, you know, we're not a, we're not a time trial team. Like we, we go after races in my mind, you know, kind of taking, taking shots at maybe some other teams there, but like, I loved it. Right. Like I love that yeah. mentality where he's just like, listen, we we're here to do one thing. We're here to get on the line and we're here to beat people. We're here to make Olympic teams. Like that's what, that's what we're doing. And I love that mentality. How is that kind of perception that we have from the outside looking in, is that what it's like actually running for that guy? Well, first of all, I, I, I think you're giving Pete too much credit saying he's <laughs> shocked that like, he's not quite thinking he's not trying to start war right now. Oh, don't tell us that. Come on. We want to have fun with this. I'm, Look, I'm sticking with yeah. the narrative, Eric. I need it. I need more Look, of that in my life. Yeah. Like if you, I, I think that's giving him too much credit. I'd love to keep that thing going where he, he wants beef and he wants it now. But I mean, for I mean, first of all, I love Pete's a uh, a great guy to get along. He's easy to get along with. Most importantly, he's caring. Like when you're, if you've got athletes who are standing up for you, it's because you know they care about you, and that's because you know he cares about us, and he wants us to be the most successful athletes and and, pe- and best people that we can be. So that's you know I, I have a great relationship with him, and it's 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 a real, and that's what it is. It's a relationship. It's not, you know, Pete's not bossing everybody around, you know, the athletes, when you get to this level, you know, we're all adults and, you know, I, you know, I expect to be treated like an adult. I want some, I want like the freedoms that I want, you know, I want to do what I want in a way. And Pete kind of gives you like the right amount of space and amount of structure that, that I really like. And, I mean, and of course he knows what he's doing. You know, he's getting results. Everybody's been running very, very well. And I mean, it's kind of, can't really argue with that. And I think, you know, all, you know, the, with the, with NOP kind of dissolving and kind of going there, you know, kind of splitting up. um, And I think that, you know, I'll just say, I don't want to go too far into that. I think that you won't find, um, you know, kind of a group of people that was defending the, the Pete Julian squad more than us here at peak too early. But I think, it, it, you know, as bad as that situation was and all the, you know, all the bad press, I think that if you were to look at one good thing that came out of it, it kind of allowed Pete Julian to step out of the shadow of Salazar a little bit and be shown like, like he can be the guy, like he should be kind of seen as this, this, you know, great coach that's doing great, you know, great things with, with some of the athletes. Oh yeah. And, and what's also been, it's been, that's been great for Pete. And there's been times throughout the years where, you know, it wasn't official yet that Pete was coaching us. It was still just kind of all under this banner of the Oregon project. So a lot of the times Alberto was getting credit for stuff Pete was doing 
And, you know, if you were to ask Pete, he'd say, oh, it's no big deal. Um, you know, happy to do it. And, and you know, Pete is, you know, loves Alberto and loved the, the group. Um, but it was still, it was still, I would see that. And I, and I thought, you know, Pete should be getting more credit. He should be, it shouldn't be just every, all the credit to go any, any Oregon project member goes to Alberto. So I think now it, it has been great to, to see him kind of step out and, and start his, his new thing without, you know, of course you're always going to get, you know, the Alberto is also going to be added in along with Pete. Um, but people who really who know the sport know know what Pete's about, what he stands for, and yeah, and I'm I'm very happy to see him uh, have the success he has. So I want to take you back to 2016, the Olympic trials. I'm sure you love talking about this, but I know, I know, <laughs> we gotta talk about it here though, because I don't know. For me, it's like it's so hard to, to relate to this, right? It's so hard to get into the mind of a professional athlete, somebody being so close to, you know, we can all like think about how cool it would be to be an Olympian and how, oh, that'd be, but for me, like that is nothing that could ever be a reality. Help me get into the head of like where you were at, you know, 0. 0.06 seconds from that third spot at the Olympic trials, like where, what what is that like? How is that now? Four years later, is it a similar feeling? Is it is it different? Has it changed? Like where where is your headspace for that? Uh, well, well, first of all, you know when I think about like what the hard the hardest part about the trials, you know, the, mentally the hardest part was was that ten k. You know, people yeah. think that coming in fourth at the five k was this big heartbreak, and it was. Don't get me wrong, but you know a week earlier in the 10 K I lined up to that race and I was like, I'm going to make this team. I'm mm-hmm. very confident, really believed that I was going to make the team. And then, you know, about a few miles into that race, you realize that's not, that's not the case. And then, you know, and then if, if, if shortly after that, I'm stepping off the track, you know, first only race I've ever DNF'd. And so that was more of, that was more of kind of this, like, Oh, what, what the hell just happened? sad moment kind of I was in shock after that a little bit and you know to feel that bad when you're pretty confident that you're making the team that was tough to deal with so to to rally back and and run well in the prelims at the five make it through you're like okay I can actually I might still have a shot at this and then lining up to you know feeling good in the in the throughout the whole race of the final in the five to lose is obviously tough but you know, I, it was, I still finished in, in a way that I, I truly left it all out there. And I think I made some tactical errors in that race that, that kept me off, off the team. But at the same time, you know, it wasn't lack of effort that, that, you know, kept me from, from that 2016 spot. So I, I was happy with kind of, obviously you, you want to make that team, but it wasn't like this, um, like I'm holed up in my room, Owen Wilson style wedding crap. <laughs> Tough mentality. Like I, I bounced back pretty well, pretty well from it, and you know made the team the next year. And and once you realize, like you know, it's all. I mean, the people that really feel bad, like for when I miss the team, it's it's they're all worried that you are taking it too hard, and it's like yeah. no, I'll be good, you know. 
it's, you know, you realize at the end of the day, it's not the end of the world. So I think, I think uh, the, 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 you know, as a 5k runner, kind of somebody that identifies probably primarily with 5k, you're kind of in a weird spot. It's always this question of, are you a 1500 meter 5k guy or are you a 10k 5k guy? And I think, you know, just kind of looking at your career, you've kind of, you've kind of, kind of gone between the two. I think you've had success all the way. You've had success from the 1500 all the way up to the 10k. Looking at the trials coming up this spring, would you say you're more of a 5K, 10K guy or a 1,500, 5K uh, guy? I mean, the 5K is one of these, these weird events where, I mean, not even weird. All of the, the events, really, you've got to be a threat. If you want to make one team, like, you should be a threat to make the team in, other, in another discipline. You know, Donovan could be a threat to make the 15 team. And, you know, Matt could be a threat to make the 5K team. You just got got, you got to be able to do multiple things. I think that uh, the best 5K guys are usually the best 10K guy. I mean, the 5K, 10K, I think is, you know, I need, you need to be so strong to be making that 5K team. You need, and you need to be fast. But, you know, it's hard to say necessarily which one's more important. I think right now uh, I'm, you know, with that 10K, I might be more of a 5K, 10K guy, but, you know, I still better be, I still got to be able to run a good 15 if I want to make either of those teams. And, you know, I, I'm, pl I'm planning on, you know, I got to, I want to, you know, PR in the 15. You know, I still have big, big goals in that, in that mile 15 area. So I, you got to be able to do it all. I mean, you really do. I feel, I feel silly coming in with one of my, um, goofy questions here because steve steve just played you with a hard business move there right instead of just straight up asking you hey eric what what event do you think you're gonna run the trials and he tried to give you the are you more of a 5k you know what i mean that was quite a quite a move you pulled me there. into a corner on that one yeah <laughs> yeah all right really so yeah so I'll, I'll i'll lighten the mood here a little bit after that question yeah um okay. i i i wish that you tweeted more because i feel like every tweet you've ever had is unbelievable it's so i'm looking at one right now i could read a million of them but this is this is probably my favorite one um you said putting down an emergency contact doesn't make sense in a lot of situations if you have to call my dad at any point during a massage the cops should probably already be on their way that's an that's, unbelievable tweet <laughs> thank you I, I i like that one so is well, that like are, are you like a if something comes to your mind it's like, all right, I'll tweet like, you know, every four months, just when I, when I get the right one, you want to make sure every tweet is the right one. Kind of, is that see, the I think, see, And I think that's necessary. That's my problem right there. When you've got a high expectation and a standard that you've set for sure, yourself, sure. it's hard to, you know, you're like, I, I, how that's not good enough to tweet. <laughs> you know, I can't just let, you know, it's, you know, so, sometimes it's not, it's, you, you're not quite sure how to word it, how to phrase it. You can have, Think tweets sitting in the drafts that are gold. I just haven't quite figured out how to word them. God, that um, sounds stressful. So you're man. a big drafts guy. You, you you get an idea, you put it in the drafts, and you and you think on it a little bit. Uh, see, I don't have an extensive drafts folder because okay. now it's either like I'm either gonna fire it off or I'm not firing it off. <laughs> um, but I, I really don't. I don't really try and think about tweets. You know, I'm. It's only. It's only when it comes to me. So it's not like I'm. I'm. You know trying to I just have writer's block for the last four months I, I just haven't I you know I should I should tweet more but it's just if it's not if it's not coming to me it's not you can, I can't force it people are clamoring for it so 
Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll start forcing it. Okay. All right. <laughs> and we'll, we're going to come back to tweets in a second. But I do want to go back to 2013. So an indoor 3K national championship. I would, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like that was kind of your, for your, to the world, that was kind of like your breakout race, right? Your, your race yeah. where you kind of proved that, hey, I'm the real deal. Like we're, I'm going something with, I'm going places with this running thing. And I'll never forget that race because I had just graduated in, in 2011. So I was still playing, paying really close attention to the local running scene in and around New England. And I remember watching that, that indoor 3K and I was going nuts for you because I was like, we got this local guy from Northeastern, you know, he's, he's, he's hanging in there, he's in the mix. Um, and then there was that whole situation where you ended up getting DQ'd. And I, I mean, I went back and watched it today before the interview. I still can't believe it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like you, you were accelerating going into a turn. You just put your hand on his back. And then, I mean, he, he was coming backwards anyways. And they disqualified you for it. it. I mean, it is the softest DQ. It it makes me it makes me hate this sport when I see stuff thank, like that. Th- thank you. That means a lot. Um, it th- see it, it, it's tough. It was. I mean, um, I mean, it was. I was I had such a good momentum going into that into that uh, that weekend. Um, I had a few good races, and I and I was just fit, fresh, and like. It's it's easy to be an underdog, and just cut like because there's nowhere to go from up, you know. It's 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 if Lowey doesn't, it's just Lowey and everybody else. So I was like, okay, like I'm I really know that I'm 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 good right now and I'm fit and like I mean I don't even really remember the the last lap, um, but I do remember. Um, it was, I mean, I, I've watched it, I'm sure, obviously, a, a bunch of times, too. But it was really somebody, I got pushed, somebody got stepped, something like that. And it really was, I fell, I just fell forward and touched him. Um, but, yeah, to, to get, but, like, when you, when you break it down and you freeze frame all the photos, it does kind of look like I got a fistful of jersey in certain, in certain frames. And I mean, it didn't, it certainly, I wasn't, didn't actually pull them um off the track like like i think it they said but uh that was a tough break but at the same time it was i was still already i i don't think anybody watched that race and their split reaction is oh he doesn't eric eric doesn't deserve to get second place it's only in kind of re-watching it or like finding out if if no one if they didn't say i was dq'd you would never assume i was going to get dq'd um so it still felt like I had the validation of that second place. And, uh, I, I, yeah, it was, it was great. It springboarded me, um, throughout a few more big performances at Northeastern and then ultimately to, to put me out there to, to go to Oregon. Yeah. And obviously Lowey was a positive was... guy. It was such, it was such bullshit you, the guy didn't trip until like a half second after you took your hand off. I think it was the guy in the white jersey that actually was like stepped on him and clicked him. I appreciate your like your awesome outlook on that, but that was it. That race is absolute bullshit. It is fucking bullshit. Yes, that's that's <laughs> it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, no, well, so it was it was Kamoy Campbell. I was moving as he was moving, and I think he had tripped me from behind, which caused me to fall. Um, 
but yeah, it, it was it was because who ended up coming in second? Was it Kamoy? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but hey, it's all good. We're here now, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and it, I think you know, I mean, Lowy's a he, he's an amazing runner, and uh, you know, I think if you if you had nipped him, if you had got him at the at the at the at the finish line, and like you had come across the line first, it would have been it would have been devastating. But because you know, you, you were on his heels, you ended up finishing second. It's kind of like a cool story that brings a little more of a spotlight to you and, and probably kind of, you know, uh, fueled a little conversation around a sport that doesn't get a, get a whole lot of look. So. Yeah, it was, but also if I'm come if I'm nipping Lowy and getting first, you can't take that from me. There's no, no. way to EQ that one. That's a, that's a true David and Goliath story right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like we brought up all like the, you, I know, I know. I'm sorry. Had so many bringing up amazing moments memories. in his career. No, I, no, I yeah, these DQs, are all, these the are trials. All the, 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 these memories are great. The what do we want to talk? We want to talk about the fifth half mile. You want to talk about a good one? That was pretty yeah. sick. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's let's start getting down to the fifth half stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, well, I don't want to take up your whole night. And uh, oh no, I'm, ha- I'm having fun. We can do this yeah. all day. All right, all right. Let's talk some fifth half. What was that like? What was the party like after that? Well, how actually. Hold on. I do have a question yeah. for you. Did you get to at least drink a beer out of the Wanamaker cup? Do you get to take uh, that thing home with you? Do you get to like spend a day with it? Like the Stanley cup? No, you don't actually, which, it, which now that I'm thinking about it needs to be, that should have been a thing. And actually, I mean, hold on, to be honest, I mean, I was drinking so many beers that night that <laughs> I, I, I may has, I, there probably could be pictures of me, you, you know, with the cup drinking beers out of it, and I'd be like, I don't think I drank one beer. Out of <laughs> but I mean, Fifth Ave is is has a famous party scene at the end of it, um, and so that was. I mean, especially that was the first time I've ever done it, and it's such a one of a kind race in the set. You know, where you have such a good field lined up for just a, a mile straight down. You know, no turns. It was. It's over faster than I've, I've never felt a race go by that fast. Um, you didn't, you don't even that year, you didn't even really need to worry about tactics because it's you, since it's so fast, it's just everybody strung, strung out sprinting down the road in New York city. Um, and I mean, I, I got it to, you know, I got central, I got the champ at the line. Obviously I think I really snuck by, I snuck by him. He might've been celebrating a little early, maybe. And uh, that, I mean, fan, I mean, you can't ask for a better race. Fast time with the win. It was huge. I know. It's we, wild. we went out to Fifth Ave last year. They didn't have it this year. So we went out last year. And we, you know, we went to, to, to go watch it. We, you know, hung over, ran it. And uh, then yeah. we went to Coogan's afterwards. It was a great time. Oh, yeah. Coogan's is the spot. Well, Rest in it was, was the spot. Uh, R.I.P. That was that's I a know. applause. Yeah, I know it was a. Uh, I was kind of getting. It. I was thinking about this race when you were talking about being like a five k, ten k guy, and there. I don't think there's many five k, ten k guys that can like you know drop a three forty nine, take a you know a, a dub over Centro, and it just be like ah, yeah, you know, it's another another day at the office there. But like, do you have a good enough relationship with Centro where after that race, you know, there's a little bit of shit talk going on, you kind of rub it in his face a little bit. Oh, I mean, I Centro's, Centro's <laughs> one of my he's my boy. I love that guy. We have a fantastic relationship. So, um, oh yeah, oh there, there's with and Matt's somewhere right now 
who knows where he is, but he's talking and he's talking shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> all, all he does is talk shit and, and but it's it's good. We're it's all good fun. Um, you know, there's ton, there's tons of shit talking, tons of tons of all of that, but um it's it's all good fun. It's uh, yeah, he he's great. So Eric, we got a we got a quick game. We end every interview with a quick game. So Mike, why don't you kick off down the home stretch? All right, so down the home stretch, we're going to give you some rapid-fire questions here. So okay. I kind of I lied earlier when I said that that tweet I read was my favorite tweet. My actual favorite tweet was your Goodwill hunting you know, guy in the next room, Scott, because I, I've probably seen Goodwill hunting 300 times, my favorite movie of all time. So, yeah, so it just – it, the if you haven't seen it go to eric, stop what you're doing go to eric's twitter and watch that video because it's it's amazing so your topic for down the home stretch is mm. goodwill hunting steve's gonna hit you with the first question okay here we go all right in the famous scene when ben affleck saying if you're still coming over to my house in five years to watch the patriots i'll kill you mm. do you think if ben affleck knew how good the patriots were about <laughs> to come he would become he would still feel that way um yes Oh yeah, I mean, look. <laughs> I don't know, man. This past twenty years was pretty awesome. Look, it had. It's in terms of Patriots, it's been awesome. But in that scene, it's just pure love emanating from Ben to to Matt Damon's character. You know, it's all about. It's not. He's not thinking Patriots games. He's really thinking about this guy's future. And you know, he wants him. He wants him out of there regardless. So I'm gonna have to go with. Uh, yeah, he knew. A lot of guys in, in New England, that any love that they had in their life automatically got switched to Tom Brady just a couple years later. So maybe <laughs> that love would have been channeled a little differently. Yeah, may, yeah who knows? So the uh, scene when Ben Affleck goes to the job interview uh, for Will Hunting, you know, the whole retainer scene, is that, yeah. is that one of the like, most underrated comedic scenes in the history of, of cinema? It is. It is. They do really blow by it a little bit, but yeah, it doesn't get it, talked about enough. That's that's a that's a fantastic, great great scene. Um, there's a but there's a lot of little great scene, you know. For sure. So much, even you know, Casey Affleck, he he's got a bunch of little little one liners in there that are that are classic. You Absolutely. get canned more than tuna, bitch. That's <laughs> there's there's tons. All right, so. My questions tend to have a theme. So, uh, you know, Robin Williams' character, you know, when he's talking about the whole got to go see about a girl scene, he says, I didn't know Pudge was going to hit a home run. So mm. if you knew that you could have been at the Carlton Fisk home run game, would you still have gone and saw her about a girl? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. You have to. <laughs> like, you got to go. You got to. Look. I wasn't. I wasn't a Pudge fan. I don't know what the hell was going. It'd be different <laughs> if it was Big Pop, two thousand. You know, Good Game point, Seven Mike. of the ALCS with the Yankees. Yeah, maybe then that would be a. I mean, that would be a tough one. But against the the Carlton Fisk game, yeah, I'll go see about it, girl. Sure, let's do it. <laughs> Good. Good point. I like that. Um, is is this movie uh, appropriate for children? Based on one fact that. They're really setting a bad example where, you know, these like 28 year olds are just like bringing this 19 year old kid to every bar in Boston and let them letting them drink up a storm. I mean, I don't know. Is that is this a movie we should be showing our children? Yeah. Get your kids drinking ASAP. 
bring it bring him to the bars let him party let him do whatever the hell they want i don't care i i get a crack out of the scene when he's like gives him the car for his 21st birthday and it's like that's when you, that's when you realize it's like oh they've been drinking this entire movie and he's not yeah. even 21 it's like, <laughs> but but also it's it's like matt damon's so smart you don't think of him as like a kid you're like this is this is this kid's been, been an adult and you know his history he's got trauma He's got skeletons and he's, a, he's been an adult his whole life. That's right. <laughs> so this isn't really a question. It's more of just kind of like a funny statement. Mm-hmm. I see you kind of like, you know, you know, towards the end of your junior year, sitting at Northeastern practice and one of your teammates is just like, I want to walk up to your dorm one day and knock on it and you just be gone. No word, no nothing. I just want you to be gone out West, out to Oregon. Did that happen? Yeah, it did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I still haven't talked to that guy. Okay. No, I yeah, no, that'd be a, that'd be a classic Boston story. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure it, there's a lot of a lot of guys who have claimed that for sure though. <laughs> All right, Mike, get him with the last question. question. Last question. Do you like apples? I do. Oh, right. Well, I got a number. <laughs> this is good this is a good time i'm ready to do this anytime <laughs> oh man this you're, has been you're a always welcome fun. back always this, welcome back Eric. yeah, yeah. L- let me know whatever you want to do round two i'm always up for it. hell yeah Thanks again to Eric Jenkins for coming on the podcast. That was a ton of fun. You know, Trent, if you go on vacations more often, I think Eric could fill in as like the third co-host. So um, your your job might be on the line here. If this is an invitation for me to take more vacations, you know I will just <laughs> sign up in a heartbeat. Oh, man. Well, you know, we're, we're, we're running a little long in this episode. We, we had a lot of long-winded conversation about the Marathon Project. Um, but we just want to wish everybody a happy and safe holiday season. This has been a crazy year and we hope that, you know, the P2E squad, whether it's our Instagram podcast, you know, our race events that this, 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 this crew has brought you a little bit of fun, a little bit of entertainment during this, what was, you know, for the most part seemed like a a pretty bleak year. Um, but I also want to say before we get into the Bell app that, you know, we're going to keep growing. We're going to keep grinding. We, we love doing this. And we are very, very thankful for the community that's being built around this podcast. We love the two crew. You know, this is, you know, the, the, the people that are kind of helping us build this. This is that's why this is so fun and why we're going to keep doing this. So thank you. For sure, Steve. I think uh, a lot of podcasts take this week off. You know, they take the Christmas holiday week off, uh, not us. And that's because. We have, you know, the best fans in the world. We got the two crew and, you know, we're not going to leave them hanging. Yeah. Okay. Listen, there are some people upset that last, uh, last week's episode came out a, a day late. That's hand up to me. I fell asleep on the couch while editing the podcast, woke up at five in the morning, whatever it happens. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, Steve is last year at this time we did our Christmas episode and we talked about what, uh, presents we were going to get each other for Christmas that year. Um, for Christmas this year, I ain't getting you guys nothing. <laughs> All right, let's kick off the bell lap. Mike, what do you got for people on the bell lap? 
So I just want to take my bell up to quickly shout out just the wide variety of things you're getting on this podcast because it was just one week ago that we did Sav Story segment, one of the most ridiculous segments in running podcast history. One week later, we come back with the most hardcore, just deep analysis of the marathon project. This isn't even like a major marathon, but we're getting like deep into the intricacies of the marathon project. Listen, people, you're not finding that anywhere. You're not getting Sav Stories one week and then deep marathon project analysis anywhere else but here. So I just need to take a, a moment to shout that out. Sure. What do you got for people on the Bell app? Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, happy holidays, whatever you celebrate. Merry that to you guys. I have a little gift, I think, for, for Steve and Mike. I am officially signed up for the Chicago Marathon for next oh, year. So come, come springtime or early summer, I'll start getting into the, the marathon training. And I'm sure uh, the two of you will have fun just making fun of my poor life decisions and ridiculing me because I'm, I'm going to try and run well, right? If I'm going to sign up for it, uh, what else can I do but try to run well? Um, so we'll have fun with uh, you guys making fun of me. So, so Merry Christmas, guys. I can't wait. Um, my bell app, uh, I, I jumped on a, um, a Zoom call with, with boss man Rand and Harrison Smith last night. Two, oh, uh, two long-time uh, two crewers. I mean, just, a, just what, a, what a combination of people. It was, it was a good time. Had some, some good conversation with them. Um, and then I also want, have a retraction to make from last week. I think uh, my comments on the movie, The Christmas Story, were taken a little out of context. People weren't understanding what I was saying. It's my favorite Christmas movie. It's not a bad movie. So I take that back. Christmas Story is an amazing movie. I'm going to go watch it right now. So other than that, boys, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Mike, hit me with the Josie. So I had no idea this happening, but for whatever reason, like by, cause I'm on the Instagram. Yeah. There's like the Instagram call thing. So my yeah. phone just starts ringing and I look at it and I'm getting a call from Harrison and Joe Rant. And I'm like, <laughs> what in the world is happening? So like, we, we didn't do I can't, Zoom. I was we like, didn't... I can't take this call right now. This is a ridiculous call. To we, get. we did like Instagram chat or something like that. I didn't even know it was a thing. And they called me, so you must have, I was going to answer it, and you must have declined it. 
Maybe. I, yeah. I don't, I, if I declined it, I didn't mean to. But yeah, I and just, then I was like, I remember thinking like, out loud, just being like, I am not nearly drunk enough well, to answer this. Phone. I did. I did the same thing. I was like, 